Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Working on a nightmare. Now, back to Late Night with Hancock and Kelly. I love it at night. On King of OX. And welcome back to Hancock and Kelly late night on a Monday night at 9.06 here at the Voice of St. Louis. John Hancock in. Michael Kelly out. He is uh, taking a few restful days uh, out of town, and uh, <laughs> which he's been known to do. But no fear, Braxton Payne is here, and uh, Braxton hey. works for Show Me Victories. Uh, Michael Kelly, come How long have you worked with Michael Kelly? Uh, it'll. I started in uh, November of 2008. 12, 2012. So wow, it'll be coming up on 10 years. Coming up on 10 years then, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I started as an intern. Uh, and then, you know, he, you know, he was gone for a little bit. And I did all the, the Christmas party circuit, you know, how those go in politics. Met a lot of people and then kind of just stayed along and found a job and started the little digital department well, that we yeah, have now. You, you run the, the digital department, which has become quite uh, quite a business uh, in the political industry. It's a business everywhere, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, digital advertising has completely transformed uh, the way we market in this country. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, the, the ways that we can, I mean, nothing's private. I always say the only thing, if you're worried about anyone having your data, you need to have a, a flip phone that you pay cash for and have no credit cards. Um, because every device you have is linked to something. Um, if you have, you know, a Walgreens card or a CVS card, they know what you buy. They sell that to people that want to advertise towards you. And, and so it's really a great way. Um, and the thing is, is also with, with this type of advertising is you're getting ads that, you know, pertain to you. Uh, unlike, you know, the other times where you would buy a newspaper ad and who knows if you would care about, you know, adult diapers that or may be shaving why. cream. You know, I like to play uh, Sudoku on my iPad. Yes, I do and, and that might be why when I go to play the Sudoku game, uh, this guy comes up on the screen before I can get to my Sudoku game uh, telling me how he just lost 70 pounds. And there you, there you got the before picture. He kind of looks familiar. And then uh, and now he's lost the 70 pounds. The guy looks amazing, this guy. And so I, I click through him, and then I get to my Sudoku game. But you're telling me that they know that I'm likely somebody that needs to lose a little weight. Um, well, I don't think you need to lose any weight. I think you look great, John. Thank you, Bruce. But, uh, yeah, I mean, also it's the, the type of category you fall into. You know, you're a, a man in his 50s. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I don't know many men in their 50s that are in the tip-top shape of their life. And so that, that that would be a typical demographic that you could target in Junior, that Junior, what kind of ads pop up on your devices, I wonder? Well, I can always tell how I'm doing in life based on the ads. You know, sometimes <laughs> they'll tell me I need to get my get my act together. And other times, you know, they're trying to sell me useful products, though. 
It's a good barometer. Yeah, I mean, I get. <laughs> where Where are you hitting it right now, big boy? <laughs> right now, um, it, I'm getting a lot of hair loss uh, ads, and you know, I, they have the data that I've been using Rogaine, thanks to you, father, for three years now. <laughs> well, you look good. Uh, you look good. Just get married before you lose it all. That uh, worked for me. Or maybe it'll be in style by the time you get well, married. Well, you know, I, they do say. You know, I don't. <clears throat> I don't like to talk, but, uh, you know, they do say bald is the new hairy. And uh, <laughs> that's good, that's good news. so many words. Good news for me. What they say. Bald is the new hairy. That's what they say. And the, uh, the Dana White look is in. It is big. It's big out Joe there. Joe Rogan. I mean, and, and think Mandel. of all the bald presidents Howie we've Mandel. had. We've had, uh, there was uh, Martin Van Buren. <laughs> Well, Barack Obama was close. To, I mean, he had short yeah, hair. No, yep, excellent point. Yeah, he was. I kind of got a little Obama hair going. Uh, George Bush had like that bald spot in the back. You know, I he actually kind of shocked how few bald presidents I can think of now. Yeah, well, that's because they don't have them. I mean, you, you know, presidents tend to have hair and be tall. That's kind of the way it is. Well, and I think that goes to, you I mean, I'm sure there's psychological studies on that because, you know, we like people that are strong. I think that's probably. You know, the typical way that we view men in America, and it's probably why we've had all men presidents. Dwight David Eisenhower. As well. huh? Eisenhower was bald, but he was a general, so you, you kind of... Was Harry Truman bald? No, he had a, he had a little hair. Hair. Um, you know, and in the old days, talking Washington, Adams, Jefferson, you know, they all wigs. wore wigs. Yeah. So, you know, they probably were bald under, under the wigs. Yeah. By the way, have you seen those... Um, I don't know what they are. Computer generated. They show you what George Washington would look like today. I have not. That sounds awesome, it's though. Amazing. So he's got a suit and a tie on. Have you seen those, P- PJ? Oh my gosh! So they've got all of, like the family, like, like how like how they would look like dress, dressed, not like yes. how they would look physically. Obviously, they would look you know dead. Um, yeah, no. If they were <laughs> alive today and president today, you ought to Google that. Okay, George Washington today. It's amazing. And it's just somebody that did it just for fun. Yeah, and they, and they got all the Abraham Lincoln today. What he would look, you like. know, what's something something that I'm still I I can't believe is was when they do the the side by sides of when the president goes in the office yeah, and when, when they, they leave. leave. I mean, you know, we all knew we all know the job is stressful. Um, I think the only person that really didn't look different was the spray tan president <laughs> Donald Trump. Donald Trump looked- Exactly the same yeah. going out as he did coming in. Uh, yeah. there, there's no product oh, wow. there, no makeup, all natural. It's all natural. It's amazing. But the presidency uh, didn't seem to age him very much. Yeah, they oh, did. There, there it is. There's George. PJ has done it again. Yeah, uh, pulled it up. Is that amazing? I mean, they look. I mean, it literally, it looks like they're like some a senator from Tennessee yeah. right in that picture. I, I mean, like Bob Corker. Idaho. He looks like Bob <laughs> Corker uh, from Texas. Yeah, uh, talking about George Washington, folks. If you're yeah. uh, if you're watching uh, at home, <laughs> you don't have to the left hand here. of your dial is where the picture of George Washington would be. I have seen one of these where they show what Trump would look like bald, and it's honestly a pretty good look. I mean, yeah, <laughs> good. It's it's very subjective, I think, in that fact. Well, we've kind of blown up this segment. Uh, uh, well, I was yeah. going to talk about cryptocurrency yeah. because I know nothing about this. And Braxton, you were talking. Uh, about uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who signed a contract with the Rams, and what was his deal? Yeah, so I'm probably the worst millennial. I think all my friends have invested in crypto and in Ethereum or you know any type of crypto. Um, they're very into it. They follow it on a regular basis. I think all our social media platforms, John uh, Jr., I think we you know see this all the time. But Odell Beckham Jr. signed a contract with the Rams this year for $750,000. Not a bad payday. No. And so he decided uh, when he signed the contract to take it in Bitcoin. At the time, Bitcoin, Bi- Bitcoin was around, it was around, it was worth about $64,000. 
Um, today, it's only worth thirty-five thousand dollars. So what? therefore, thirty-five thousand dollars for what? For uh, a Bitcoin. For Bitcoin. Like per like so per a thousand, you know, like and, and some. So it's just worth less. It's worth about half. Let's just go with that. All right, all right. Um, and so now his contract would be worth about four hundred and twelve thousand dollars. But but he has to pay taxes on that full full seven fifty, mm. which with you add up uh, the federal tax rate and the you know the tax rate in California, which oh is my. about which is only, it's only about ten point three percent. I did look this up. So right. the and at that income bracket, okay, um, is about fifty point three percent. So this year, Odell Beckham Jr. netted in the state of California about thirty seven thirty five thousand um, dollars as a professional wow. athlete, which. Yeah, the medium income or the medium salary for a teacher in California is fifty four thousand dollars in California. So I mean, so he's making less than a public school teacher yeah, in California. This Odell year. Beckham, you know, I bet if you asked him, he'd be willing to pay thirty five thousand dollars to get away from Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't, I do not understand this whole Bitcoin business. It's it's a it's a fake construct. Is that? Yeah, right. I, no, it's, it's it's the future of currency is what the true believers say. Uh-huh. I, I don't know too much about it, to be honest with you. All I know is that uh, they're fanatical about it. Even oh, during this geez. crash, they're saying, hold, hold, hold. This thing's going to the moon. Yeah, so in the past week, a lot of these cryptos have lost about half of their value. And, but and they... There's nothing behind it. I mean, there's, you know. No, there is. There's no guarantee. There's no nothing. And a lot of these. So, like in in here in St. Louis, in any major city, you can actually you can get a crypto credit card and you can go to crypto ATMs and withdraw money into real U.S. cash. Um, there's a couple in Clayton that I know of that my friends use. And essentially, it's just like a lot of these. You'll you'll buy a dollar worth of crypto and it's worth point zero 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 three cents or whatever in U.S. dollars. But over the time, if it goes to point zero 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 six, you essentially just doubled your money and you're allowed to uh, cash out. And I know a lot of my friends, I don't know if your friends do this, um, is that they use their crypto to do sports betting because uh, a lot of these companies will allow you to upload your crypto account so they can use, they can bet on anything, anywhere, even if it's legal in the state or not. Um, to bet on sports. Yeah, a lot of these Russian books offshore were <laughs> yep. in states like Missouri where it's not legal. You know, you'd rather just pay in Bitcoin than give them your credit card information. So do you uh, do you actually use Bitcoin, son? I don't really use it too much. Um, <laughs> I, I go through speculative periods where I'll buy some, see what happens. There was the Shibu Inu coin where I... <laughs> Owned um, a few million of those at point oh 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 one penny. <laughs> you know, sometimes when the parenting years are over, there's stuff you just don't want to know. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you this though. I remember back in the day, I was telling <laughs> you you got to get in on Bitcoin, and yeah. ha- had you listened to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I could I could retire from this. And fight. the one thing that I really don't understand is these NFTs, which are virtual, uh, which are virtual like yeah, playing cards, non fungible tokens. I think and. Yeah. I, I don't know what you that can buy means. spots on the French Open court, the the Australian Open court, and if the ball hits it, it increases in value, and it's all virtual. It does I don't understand it. Well, at all. I still remember you could buy a name a star after your wife. Remember that uh, back in the day. Uh, yes, I actually do have a star named after me after my my sixteenth birthday. I don't know, it's somewhere up there. <laughs> well, I guess if you can't find it, it doesn't exist, right? I mean, if a, if a star named Braxton Payne. Uh, it's probably, you probably findable. could Google it and fi- figure it out. It somewhere. could have imploded by now too. Well, it could have. <laughs> it uh, well, we, as fun here. as this is, boys, uh, we're going to step away. When we come back, we're going to get a little serious. Uh, 
President Biden's been in the news today, uh, and Russia is poised, it seems, to invade Ukraine. Uh, We'll break that down when we come back. It's Hancock and Kelly Late Night on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, we're all focused on, you know, crime here locally. We're focused on inflation that's affecting all of us. Uh, But internationally, one of the biggest things happening in the world right now is the amassing of troops on the Ukraine border by Russia. Uh, Vladimir Putin, who has never believed that Ukraine was a sovereign country, he uh, continues to believe it's part of Russia. And he has at various times, he inc- had an incursion into Crimea uh, back in 2014. And he looks like he's poised to go in again. A lot of jousting with the United States. Germany involved in, in the interesting thing with Germany is that they are increasingly dependent on Russia for their energy resources, oil and natural gas. And and Germany has kind of kept its head down while all of this saber rattling has gone on in Russia. And that's kind of put the U.S. and NATO in kind of a tricky, tricky spot. And President Biden had the gaffe last week where he said if it's a minor incursion, those sanctions won't be as much, blah, blah, blah. So here's the question on the table, gentlemen, and I'll start with you, Braxton. Yep. Uh, 
if and when Russia does enter militarily Ukraine, what is the appropriate response from the United States and our Western allies? Yeah, I th- I, number one, I think it has to be a unified front. I, uh, you know, NATO is is put in that position for a reason. Um, and this is exactly what it's for. It's for these type of aggressions against countries. Um, you know, U.S. should not and will not, I don't believe, go in alone. It has to be a unified front with NATO. Um, and the support that the Biden administration has been giving NATO um, has restored a lot of those relationships, uh, you know, that were kind of, you know, I don't want to say fractured, maybe bruised under the Trump administration. It wasn't the best relationship with NATO. So we're going to, uh, you know, I think if if uh, Putin does decide to invade a foreign country, I do think there's going to be, you know, a swift reaction. Um, the other thing I will say, too, is, you know, just the other day, the president of Ukraine did say, you know, he had a conversation with Joe Biden um, and said it was, you know, a great conversation. He feels supportive, uh, supported. Um, and I think that's really important because you have to and we've armed Ukraine in the past. I think they're pretty well armed with U.S., you know, military and rifles continue, and cannons and continue to do so. Um, so, you know, not that they can't defend themselves, but I do think having NATO support from these uh, major countries like the U.S., Great Britain, etc., is going to be really important important to to that area. And, you know, you also think about we can't solve all the world's problems. And Crimea has been a world conflict since, you know, the Ottoman era. So it's going to be something that's really interesting. That's geopolitical as well. John Hancock, 8,500 U.S. troops have been placed on heightened alert as these tensions rise in Russia. Does the United States, should they consider some kind of military overt action here? So obviously it's a tough question because Putin, I don't think, is going to stop at Ukraine. And if he doesn't, if he isn't met with any, any resistance, you know, nothing's going to stop him from his grand desire of reuniting the USSR. Um, you know, I think Kazakhstan, all the stands will be shortly down the line if he's able to go in Ukraine. Belarus unchecked. is in the crosshairs. Belarus mm-hmm. is uh, essentially already a Russian puppet country. And I think that's his desire for you know, a lot of the things over there. One thing that is interesting, though, is that it was during the Obama administration when Crimea was annexed, mm-hmm. and now he's on Ukraine's doorstep with Biden as president, and I thought we had a Russian asset we were hearing in the White House who was compromised, and Putin didn't choose to do any of this when Trump was in office. Yeah, I mean, that that's undeniable. And, you know, the, the sanctions that were in place during the Trump years were pretty extreme on against Russia and a lot of the oligarch money was shut down. Now there were efforts to, to unlock that during mm-hmm. the Trump years, but unsuccessful in the administration. And, you know, the clearly economic sanctions are going to be a massive part of whatever the United States response would be to this. Or do you think economic sanctions, Braxton, are enough? I, I mean, we saw it. I mean, I, I didn't see it, but, you know, looking at the history, it's during the Cold War. I mean, the economic sanctions that happened against the USSR did have an effect because, you know, people went hungry. Um, and so I think that's something that you can definitely do, because once the people are not with you, it's really hard to explain a war to your own people that when they you know can't put food on the table. I think one thing too here that um, I think a lot of the countries are watching is there's a lot of, uh, you know, not stable governments in this region. You know, Hungary, Bosnia is going through what could look like another type of genocide that's happening within their government right now that is, you know, being largely ignored by the West. Um, You know, obviously here we hear about it probably more than anyone else because of our large Bosnian population. But there are a lot of these countries are struggling, you know, with uh, 
economics. I mean, they're, they're just, their economies are not as strong as they should be. Um, so that always opens the door for Russia. And you, you mentioned, you know, during the Obama era, um, that was when, when the whole Crimea thing happened uh, in the Obama administration. A lot of it had to do with, you know, the great recession that happened in the world. I mean, Ukraine was poor. Uh, Russia used it as, an, as a, a false uh, narrative saying that these people in Ukraine want us to come in and help them because, you know, they have no food, they have and, nothing. And Putin, and Putin has never acknowledged that Ukraine's a free country. So, of course. And, you know, this is going to be fascinating. I don't know that the, the levers that the United States have are that many or necessarily that effective. And... And to your point, John, if 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 we let this incursion go, uh, where do they stop? And and at some point, do they cross a line that is, you know, irreversible? And we've got to get in. It's it's going to be, it's going to be a very fascinating, thing, very delicate situation. And if China's looking at this, they may very yeah. well be gauging the response and see for their ambitions in Taiwan. Yeah, it, and and I the one thing I am seeing, I you know. I don't follow it as closely as I probably should. I don't think many Americans follow world politics as, as closely as we probably should because it does affect us here at home. But it, there does seem to be a more united front now um, against Russia and these types of things than ever before. You mentioned that Germany has largely stayed silent. Um, I think it's also interesting they're kind of going through a transitional period where Merkel is going to retire and they're going to have a new uh, prime minister. I believe it's what they have there. Um, yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see the differences in leadership. And if if that Germany prime minister's race affects of, you know, the Russian invasion into the Ukraine. The voice you hear is Braxton Payne. The other voice you hear is John Hancock Jr. I'm John Hancock. Michael Kelly is away. He'll be back on Friday and uh, we'll be back after just a very, very brief little break in the college degree. Is it Maybe it ain't what it used to be. We'll talk about that after this on KMOX. And welcome back to Hancock and Kelly Late Night on a Monday night in St. Louis, Missouri. We've been following the news of uh, Highway 64, which I believe is still shut down in both directions while they investigate the uh, two police officers being struck by a vehicle while they were working a separate accident. Uh, both officers, we think, are... Yeah, the uh, last update from the St. Louis Police Department Twitter is that they were at the hospital, what Maria Kina uh, reported. And they also, uh, some people have tweeted that the, the highway is still closed both ways on Highway 64 at Kings Highway. Well, that'll make for a fascinating commute on the way home this evening. Um, I don't spend a lot of time on Highway 44 in my in my day. I used to, you know, when I worked at Six Flags, I was on Highway 44. Oh yeah, all the time. famous piano man. Uh, I was, and uh, but not anymore. That was back when I was paying for college, and uh, I had this job at Six Flags. I played the piano six days a week, six hours a day, and they paid me five hundred dollars a week back in. I mean, this was a long time ago. Jeez. And I was able to I was able to pay for my entire college education. When people went to Six Flags, <laughs> well, they still go to Six Flags. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's a it's mm. a fine play. You got yeah, hasn't now, been updated since the last time you not, played there. I guarantee well, you that. You know, back in those days, we had you know they, myself were out there. We had the barbershop quartet strolled around the park, and of course, one of the great clowns uh, to ever grace the streets of St. Louis, Doodles the Clown. Um, he was uh, <laughs> it, it was a phenomenally talented clown. Drove around on this little tricycle. How he got on that tricycle at uh, at 290 pounds is is uh, beyond me. It was amazing, and uh, and and may have been 
one of the most talented chess players I've ever encountered in my life. Wow. Doodles and I would, uh, during break time, we'd, we'd strike up a game of chess up there in the uh, entertainer's office. And, um, and, and what the guy could do with the balloon animals was truly amazing. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen him make dachshunds and and did he learn that at clown and, college? Right, huh? Did he learn that at clown clown college? I, I, he was I don't know. The guy was something else, and uh, you know, traditional red nose, and oh, yeah. uh, he was he was phenomenal, and the kids loved him. You know, and well, I'm uh, sure. So doodles was doodles was great. Uh, he may have gone to clown college, but. Um, I think it's Clown Academy. <laughs> it could well be. Yeah. Well, you know, you Clown your, Technical School. <laughs> you got your old used clown, and then you got the, the sad clown, and there's a, there are different kind of clowns. Of course. The Doodles scary was ones. explaining this to me uh, during mm-hmm. one of our games of chess back in the day. Uh, so the four of us in here, PJ, you've got a college degree. Yes, he does. What, what's your degree in there, Matt Pajeski? I have a Bachelor of Arts in Audio Production. Well, now there's a man that's doing what his degree is because at this very minute he is engaged in audio production. (laughs) That's tremendous. Well done. Let's uh, let's, remarkable. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Braxton, your degree. Uh, my degree was in applied sociology, and I had six minors. Uh, at, six minors. Yeah, because I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. So I, you know, had I wanted to be an algebra teacher, a social worker. You know, I wanted to do it all, and. Um, from the great Fonfon University, and I, I love it. I do use it uh, every so often, but it's kind of like I use parts of it. You know, it's a liberal arts degree, so you kind of learn, you know, a little bit about everything. And, and your core business now is digital marketing, right? Right, yeah. yeah. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of what I do, too, is, like, figuring out how organizations tick and what would work towards, you know, working for either, like, a labor union or nonprofits or candidates. So a lot of work that we do is those three swaths. And a lot of what we have to do is understand... You know, those organizations, those members are, you know, people in the community that would be interested in giving to those nonprofits to continue their mission. Yeah. John Hancock, you are in commercial real estate and your degree was in finance, if memory Finance serves. and banking huh. at the University of Missouri. There hey you now. go. So has your, has your college preparation been impactful in your, in your professional career? Certainly it's been helpful. Uh, I mean, I don't use everything. That I learned. Uh, most useful class I took in college, though, was actually on Excel, just learning how to yeah. run Microsoft Excel, do all kinds of in-depth things there. And that's, you know, a program I use almost daily. Yeah, and I think one of the things, too, with, like, with college, especially liberal arts degrees, is, like, understanding how you can apply it to the real world. Um, and I think one of the things, the best thing that I had to do was, obviously, I got my, I had to, had to do an internship to graduate. And I got my internship with Mike Kelly, and that's how it became my job. History. Yeah, so obviously that was great. But I think a lot of my friends that had the similar degree um, were able to use, you know, these internships and these real world, uh, you know, applications of their degree. And that's really what drove them to their current jobs. It's not so much what you, they learned in the classroom or in a textbook. So I've got a theory. You know, college has gotten so expensive. It's um, it's out of yes. out of reach. Most families can't afford to pay for college, and so the kids come out of college with these massive student loans. Um, and I met a young person the other day. Works here at Odyssey, as a matter of fact, and um, very bright, very capable, very talented. And she is has gone to community college mm-hmm. for two years. She's going to get her associate's degree. She's already out working, got a good job uh, here at, at Odyssey. I think that this notion that you've got to have a college degree in order to succeed might be somewhat outdated. Agreed? 
Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, I think it's a it, a lot of these universities. So I think it's for two reasons. You you know, if you want to go to a big school, you want that atmosphere. A lot of it, though, is these smaller schools like I went to. It is the connections. Uh, you know, you want to learn, you know, make friends. So and so knows so and so. And that's how you get these jobs. Uh, I am seeing an influx like, for example, like if I have kids soon and, you know, in 18 years they decide to go to college, what I'm what I'm what I'm going to push them to do is, you know, in Missouri, we have the great A plus program where, you know, you can get two years of free community college. Um, if you do X, Y, Z, number one, they should do that if they don't know what they want to do. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I wish I would have done community college, knock it out instead of going to school that was, you know, $26,000 a year to go to. Um, but also these tech schools. And I mean, in St. Louis, especially we have amazing labor unions. I mean, these apprenticeship programs can provide you with a really, really great job um, at 18, 19 years old, but also you're able to retire at 55 or 65, depending on you yeah. know what trade, you know, some trades you can't do until you're 65 and you're able to retire with an annuity and a pension at the age of 55 and, and live the rest of your full life. Yeah. What do you think, John, about uh, college and the, the value of that degree? Yeah, I think certainly with so many people getting these bachelor's degrees, you know, the value just inherently has gone down because of that. Um, you know, it's oversaturating a lot of these job markets and, mm-hmm. you know, trade schools, you know, as mentioned, are a very viable alternative for a lot of people. Um, you know, they're fulfilling careers. You can make a lot of money uh, and you're not stuck sitting in a desk, you know. Yeah. What did you what did you think when you entered college uh, some years ago that what were you thinking about professional career at that point? So I didn't have it figured out then. I figured business is the way to go. It gives you the most flexibility when mm-hmm. you get out, you know, followed the old man into politics for a little bit there right yeah. out of college. Yeah, <laughs> uh, didn't stick with that. Uh, I'm I'm glad. Yeah. Well, I think too is like, you know, a lot of times you don't know you're you're 17, 18 years old. You don't know what you want to do with your life. I mean, I think that's the common swath of a lot of people, but also you think about like I have, a, you know, if you look at these, you know, we say there's a lot of jobs out there right now. A lot of these jobs that are quality jobs require two, three, four, five years experience. Well, you can't get that when you just graduate college. So right. what are you supposed to do? So I have a lot of friends. I'm sure you do, John, that, you know, go to grad school just to put it off, you know, try to figure out, OK, maybe if I have a grad school degree, they can ignore that I don't have any experience. Um, and it's and then that just is more money. I'll tell you something the two of you have in common. Uh, both of you have served in the capacity of an official. Oh, yeah. Braxton officiating volleyball games. John Hancock Jr. behind the. Behind the plate, uh, umpiring baseball. Regular games. Joe West. Yeah, <laughs> Joe West. How many years did you? Uh, were you a, a umpire? I did three years um, in high school. Um, some good, uh, good memories. I remember when I first got there. You know, I wasn't too confident in myself, and if a coach mm-hmm. was giving me lip, all of a sudden his team was getting the calls. But pretty quickly, <laughs> I figured uh, as the Joe West school had thought that you know my way or the highway. Yeah. <laughs> And so what age levels did you do? Did you do like, you know, middle school kids, grade school kids? uh, These were grade school. They stuck me at the worst assignments, nine and 10 year old kid pitch where they couldn't hit the strike zone if it was broadside of the barn. And I'm calling, I'm calling strikes when I first got up there, like the MLB. Yeah. So I started, I started officiating indoor soccer. My dad worked for Veta Sports Clubs for since before I was born. So I started at 14 years old. I started uh, doing indoor soccer and I was doing, you know, younger, obviously kids younger than me, but at 16, I was doing you know, high school games. And nice. I mean, it was just, you know, constantly being chirped at. I stopped doing soccer because, you know, it just became too much. And I've been a volleyball official now, actually. This will be, this girls' volleyball season will be my 12th year doing high school girls' volleyball. 
So the the position of authority is that is that something that's appealing? Uh, no, not definitely not for me. Uh, the, the reason I the reason I like volleyball number one, it's the nicest sport to officiate. Um, in St. Louis, it's the smallest community, so everyone kind of knows everyone. Uh-huh. And if you have a good reputation, which I like to think I do, um, I get along with the coaches. The coaches a lot of times are my friends, um, so I'm able to stay within the sport without having to be a coach, which is a lot of time. So I'm able to pick and choose when I officiate. Um, I mean, I started when I was 19, so I started doing high school the, my first year out of but out of high school. You don't school. get a trip on the uh, authority. No, I, yeah. I, I mean, you could ask most of the coaches. I think they would probably agree with me. I, I mean, there's, I mean, I'm sure there's been situations where I've been in a bad mood and you know gave a yellow card or a red card that probably wasn't you know, super justified. But I've I've been beneficial. I was the youngest, one of the youngest state officials ever to ref a state final. Wow. Um, I've refed. I guess six state final matches, boys and girls nice. here in the state of Missouri. And I still love doing it. I, I mean, I, I'm doing boys season. It starts here in April. I, I do it every year. I usually do about two to three games a week. You got the little um, black and white. Uh, no. So we wear just a nice white Jersey with a, a Misha Missouri state oh. high school athletic association patch. And, uh, as, as my wife likes to call it a restaurant, uh, attire from the waist down, black pants and black shoes. You nice. know, it's like we're working in a uh, Applebee's. So son, uh, being a baseball umpire, did, did you get a rush of <clears throat> adrenaline with having all that authority at your fingertips? I got a rush of adrenaline when I figured out the hard way that the umpires need to wear cups. <laughs> uh, took, a, took a foul tip. Um, uh. Worst thing that happened to me though, is this poor kid was the catcher and he was crowding the plate and I, I didn't notice it in time. I, should have said something mm-hmm. and uh pitch comes this guy kid takes a swing hits this catcher in the side of the head Ooh. he's on the ground rolling in pain he's crying the parents are upset and i had to call time and give the guy first base because it was catcher's interference right because uh, well, his head was there and i think locked. one of the things too you talk about like the position of authority i think me and junior are very similar we like people to like us um so it's being an official sometimes doesn't really uh gel well with that and yeah, not at all i mean that's the lucky i like the kids and i like the coaches the parents are a whole different story because they don't know all the rules and they'll just you know say things that are not even rules half the parents time parents are tough well when we come back our last segment here on hancock and kelly late night if you could live anywhere in america or the world where would it be we'll tackle that with the boys after this on X. And we're back. It's John Hancock. Michael Kelly is away. He is uh, enjoying some time off, some much-deserved time off. He'll be back with us Friday morning when we sit in, as we do every Friday, for Charlie Brennan and Amy Mark scores. He'll be back Sunday for the television show on Fox 2 at 8.30 a.m. in the morning. But we have a couple of very fine fellows filling in this evening on The Voice of St. Louis. Braxton Payne with Show Me Victories. John Hancock Jr., who is... uh, Taking a week of hiatus yes. as he begins a new job. Well deserved. Tell us about the new job or what you're able to tell us about the new job. Yeah, so I'm working in commercial real estate, uh, going to CBRE, and I'll be relocating to Chicago hmm. uh, for this position. Now, excited? You- very excited, very excited. Um, you know, love St. Louis. Uh, I'll be back for sure, uh, but ready to check out a new city for a couple years. Now, like, will you be selling real estate, like a real estate agent commercially, or is it more of so like... The... I won't be on the broker side. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Okay. Really can't say a whole lot. It's all of that stuff is confidential, I have learned. and uh, But he's got it. It sounds like a really cool position. So you're moving to Chicago. Uh, now, this is a situation where you're not uh, completely unknowing of people. You've got friends and, and folks you went to college with that live there. Yep, yeah, I have some people from high school up there and uh, quite a few people from Mizzou, too. So that'll be that'll be kind of nice. So the question I was wondering, because I've lived here my whole life. I uh, 
went to graduate school just for a short time in New Jersey, and then uh, I commuted for a couple of years to Columbus, Ohio for work. I did that within the last 10 years. I remember that. But St. Louis has been my home uh, my entire life, and I don't suspect I will ever leave here. But if you could work anywhere, live anywhere, is this the place you would choose, Braxton? And if so, why? And if not, why? I so place I would choose. I don't. I'm not quite sure. I love St. Louis. I love the affordability of being able to have a home here. You know, eventually raise a family here. I, I do think there's a lot of benefits in that, and I do know a lot of people born and raised here as well. Um, but if I could choose, you know, salary withstanding to work anywhere, um, I would probably have to choose New York City. I love. Really? Yeah. So. I love New York City. Um, I love that there's always something to do. There's always stuff going on. I, you know, if I could afford it, would love a summer home in the Hamptons. You know, I mean, who wouldn't love that? Um, I don't love the cold weather. Um, so that's something I would have to deal with. I would love, you know, an additional place in South Florida. Love Miami. Um, so I could definitely live there. But if I had to work anywhere, um, it would be one of those two places for sure. Fascinating. Uh, how about you, John? I think for me, it would be. Orange County, California, either Huntington Beach or Newport Beach. I love the laid-back atmosphere yeah. out there. Uh, it's incredible. The Pacific Ocean, I prefer strongly over the Atlantic. That's fair. Uh, beautiful views. The people much more laid-back than they are in New York and on the East Coast. Yeah, I, I love the meanness. I mean, but what about the wildfires? Though? you got a lot of wildfires. To well, I mean. Well, if salary's not a concern, hopefully close enough to the ocean, well, that's not going to be a problem. What about you, John? Where would you, uh, if, if you had to live anywhere but also work? Um, so you're not just, you know, kicking your feet up. Yeah, you know, the politics of California would, would be a turnoff for me. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's very expensive there. The taxes are high. The government's very liberal. Um, and, you know, I've spent a little time in Texas. I kind of like Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my brother lives in North Carolina, and he's got a really sweet deal. He just bought a bought a home in the mountains of the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is one of the most beautiful yeah. spots in this country. Uh, that would be kind of cool as well. And now, you know, with with telecommuting, people aren't going into the office yep. like they work used from to. Wherever. Mm-hmm. And um, you work from home. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Days. yeah. John, you've been working from home for months now or maybe over a year now. So, uh, and I've worked from home since before the pandemic, and I love it. I mean, mm-hmm. the convenience of it and, and so forth. So. Assuming More productive that you as could well. live anywhere. And my business partner lives in Jefferson City. Right. So we're not even together. Yeah. Um, I so, think another city of the two would be like you said, like, you know, you said North Carolina is Charleston. If you've ever been to South Carolina, yes, Charleston, Charleston, I mean, that great. is you talk about, you know, if you're worried about taxes or anything like that, they're, they're not there in Charleston. And it has, I mean, the food scene in Charleston is one of the best that you'll, you'll see in the country. What about London or Paris? Uh, I, so I've only been to London. I could definitely do London. It's like New York, but if I had to pick anywhere in Europe, it would for sure be Greece. I mean, really? oh, or South of France. I mean, the lifestyle there, I mean, where we stayed, the, the places like I was talking about my honeymoon earlier in Lefkada, they're only open from May 15th, to October 15th. And then they all go on unemployment for those winter months and they just so live the life. I mean, it's, it's, it's a much slower pace. You know, the food's great. I could definitely see myself. If I had to pick a place, it would be south of France or uh, or Greece for sure. I, th- I think I'd go Warsaw. I've heard great things about the club <laughs> scene and, uh, you know, the Polish people. I know a few. They're they're great. Seem always a fun time. Now, PJ over here is Polish. Uh, hey, now. Have you been to Warsaw? I've never been to Warsaw, but uh, I studied abroad in Austria, and I took a trip to uh, Krakow, Poland. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then from there, went to a small town called Auschwitzum 
which is actually the home of Auschwitz, the uh, concentration oh, wow. camp. So it was it was a very uh, impactful trip. And I met up with some like distant Polish cousins. I went with uh, my uncle, who's crazy obsessed with genealogy. He oh, tracked cool. down some some long lost Polish cousins, and we had a home cooked dinner at their house. It was amazing. I Dan Musial was Polish. Yes, he was. Of course, the greatest cardinal. If you if you could live anywhere abroad and not work, like this is just you know you're able just to live off the yeah, land I'd, type I'd, thing. I'd go to London, uh, London. or Essex. I'd, I'd be over in, in so so, the so UK. no place there where you couldn't speak the the language. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not going to learn. Yeah, you know. What and, about what about if you had to go somewhere like in the Caribbean or down south or not not Europe, Nicaragua. Oh. You know, you've got beautiful land, very cheap down there. It's very cheap. And, Belize is uh, also very cheap. Uh, yeah, right. And uh, you got a lot of beachfront property available. Uh, I've heard you can live for next to nothing down there. You oh. eat and the people take good care of you. Um, if you take good care of them, they there's, take good care of you. There's these videos of people that are like, you know, backpackers that go to the Caribbean and they try to live, you know, off a dollar fifty a day. Yeah. And they pretty much can do it. Where what about you, Junior? Where would Buenos you Buenos Aires, Argentina was my fallback plan if things hit the uh-huh. fan here, but <laughs> they've been hit by just a rampant run of hyperinflation. So that's uh yeah. maybe Santiago, Chile. There there's this place that I was I've been uh, was able to vacation at. It's this island called Mystique. Um, it's uh, owned by the British actually, government. Right? It's owned by no. It's owned by a corporation now, in Britain. Okay. Yes. So it's uh, it's part of Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, but the island has actually kind of not annexed, but it's owned by a private corporation. So the whole island is run by this corporation and based in London, um, and it's absolutely amazing. Uh, Tommy Hilfiger has a house there. Uh, Mick Jagger, I saw him when I was down there. He has a, he owns a home there. Um, there's about 60 homes on the whole island. It's absolutely bl- unbelievable. And you got to get there by one of those planes that just has, you know, six seats in it. Um, but it's definitely wow. a, in the whole island you pretty much get around by a golf cart. I mean. Well, I'm not going to leave this country. I think it's the greatest country in the history of the world. And uh, PJ, you mentioned Auschwitz earlier. And so I think I'll leave us with this story. I had dinner with... Uh, St. Louis dermatologist a few weeks ago, and he was telling me the story of his mother who was taken prisoner by the Nazis, placed in a concentration camp, uh, brutalized, and near death. And in May of 1945, the 71st Infantry Battalion of the United States Army liberated that concentration camp, and she was freed. Uh, they were. She was given a Hershey bar by the she? U.S. troops. She was 19. Given a Hershey bar by the U.S. troops, the first food she'd had in years, and um, fell in love with this country and went back to her home in Czechoslovakia, which soon fell under communist domination by, by Russia. Got married. She and her husband were both physicians, but very poor because it was a communist country, and their kids were not able to go on to school because they were suspect because both parents were educated. And um, in the dark of night, at midnight, they escaped Czechoslovakia through Yugoslavia, eventually ended up in Sweden, eventually ended up in New York City, where young George, her 10-year-old son at the time they left, went to college at New York University, went to medical school, moved to St. Louis at Washington University, became a physician, a very good one here in town. And he explains that he grew up under a communist regime and experienced true freedom for the first time in his life in the United States of America and set up a medical practice, raised a family, considers this the greatest country in the history of the world. I do too, and I won't be leaving her anytime soon. That's a great story.
Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, there's remarkable stories like that uh, everywhere in this country. I mean, I have many friends that are, you know, Bosnian immigrants, first generation my age, and they're, you know, going over their house and talking to their parents about what they experienced. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of them speak four or five languages. And, and it's now, just absolutely insane. Now home to a, a growing number of Afghan mm-hmm. refugees as well. Braxton Payne, thank you so much for your time. John Hancock. Thank you. Great to have you on board this evening. Yep. Matt Pajeski, thank you as well. Stick around and listen to the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.